Hey everyone, welcome to Radio Karim. I'm your host Aditi and you're listening to Bite Size Live, a show where we discuss bite-sized content on all things life. Bite Size Live is starting a new series on conscious living where we discuss how to be more mindful in our life choices. We have the lovely Divya Dhankar back on the show. She goes by the name Sustainability Struggles on Instagram and YouTube. And we also have a special guest today, Dhananjay Singh. Um, he is an environmental consultant from Melbourne and he'll talk a bit more about today's topic, shares some insight into waste. So we are discussing food waste today. Hi, Divya. Hello, hello. I'm so glad to be back. And we have a guest with us, Dhananjay, if you want to say hi. Hi, hi guys. This is Dhananjay here. Glad to be here. <laughs> so today's topic is food waste and how does sustainable food choices falls into conscious living. Um, I would love to start the topic with just talking a bit more about our life choices and how did we grow up around food and what was our relationship with the food. We could have Divya starting, yeah? Yeah, sure. Um, Well, growing up, I I guess, uh, coming from a Hindu family, um, the idea of being a vegetarian was sort of uh, ingrained in us uh, by my family. Mm -hmm. Um, But I enjoyed uh, eating the occasional chicken, I guess. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it was mostly uh, a plant-based diet, but at the same time, uh, every now and then we would, uh, like except for my mother, yeah. my, my brother, my father and myself would have chicken on some occasions. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, the sort of diet that I used to follow. Yeah. Now, uh, having become supremely aware of the <laughs> problems uh, that are associated with food, food production... Um, I decided to try and be more plant-based in my uh, choices. Okay. Um, and now I don't enjoy chicken at all, uh, which is very funny uh, because I I always used to think that's never going to happen. I'm never going to give up on chicken because it's just the best thing ever. Um, but yeah, that happened. And now I'm mostly uh, like I do consume dairy and mm-hmm. I am trying to get rid of that. But it's kind of difficult. But I, uh, t- you know, intake mostly plant based foods. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Dairy is a tricky one. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think you're still doing more than half of the job. Yeah. For just being vegetarian. That's what I tell myself. <laughs> <laughs> How about you, Dan and Jay? Uh, I think similar to Divya, I also grew up in a family where we didn't even had eggs, but dairy was still a big part of our diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was lucky to live in a environment. My father used to work in the horticulture department, agriculture department. So we lived in an environment where we had our own kitchen garden. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were able to grow sustainably food and use that. Um, In addition to that, I think uh, being away from any meat for like starting 20 years of my life, um, unconsciously I was contributing to the environment, I think. (laughs) But 
yeah growing up we were always using all the parts of food like for example if you i give uh, if you have heard of bottle gourd you cook the main meaty part of the vegetable and then you even use the peels to make another uh, uh, another food item from it and that tastes good too so we we were used to using all the parts of food and even our food waste was going into manures and all those things so it was it was unconsciously very environmental friendly mm that does sound quite environmentally friendly and to be honest bottle gourd is one of my least favorites <laughs> after bitter melon <laughs> oh, in terms of my food relationship well as you both know my dad's a chef mm-hmm. and food has always been a big part of my life and i grew up mm, grew up eating and also trying out a lot more exotic food yeah and that was something that was sort of seen as like a positive thing mm-hmm. so i grew up trying out different types of meats um from different cultures and countries and that's how my relationship with food has been until i remember when i was 14 and my mom decided to go vegetarian mm-hmm. that was more to do with ethical reasons where she wanted to be more kind and compassionate to animals and that's when i slowly started thinking about going vegetarian as well i still haven't gone vegetarian mm-hmm. for some of the listeners we are discussing this topic but i'm actually having a roast chicken right now while we are <laughs> recording this um i try to be more conscious in my choices now where i try to consume less red meat mm-hmm. and try to focus more on leading a more pescatarian diet and sometimes having a bit of chicken but it's been a long relationship with food and i think it might just take me some more time to go vegetarian i've tried being vegan mm-hmm. for it lasted for a year and a half but that's about it yeah yeah that's that's quite interesting to hear because i i guess uh, a lot of people think about um, having a sustainable food uh, diet is meaning that you have to give up on everything that you've grown up with mm. um and you don't really have to go from a 0 to 100 in a day no um it takes time because those are values or things that you've grown up with those are tastes that have taken a long time to develop and it takes time for you to you know um sort of bypass those and enjoy other food because food is all about enjoyment i mean For sure. at the end of it yeah so yeah. that's just my two cents on it <laughs> no i completely agree it's been a challenging relationship to change or mm. to alter <laughs> yeah so as we discussed about food and food waste i would love to know a bit more about how it plays into landfill and just talk a bit more about food waste from dananjay uh so i'm not sure i don't want to go into too much detail about uh, the scientific aspect of it but from a general sense uh, a food has a lot of calorific value in it mm-hmm. it has a lot of moisture it has a lot of uh, organic content in it so all these things are a perfect recipe for methane production and greenhouse gases production um mm-hmm. 
in in the landfills uh, suppose and giving an example of methane particularly which is like eight times more harmful to our environment than carbon dioxide and uh, our organic content in our food is really uh, helping that produce more in landfills under anaerobic conditions in the basically in absence of oxygen uh, so yeah food waste leads to all those things but i think the councils here are trying to now separate green waste and food waste um, mm. which often helps producing uh, things that are giving back to the environment like manure and all those things but still i think the essence is uh, limiting your food wastage um, buying as much as you need uh, promoting that um, giving that as a feedback to your supermarkets mm-hmm. uh, which Uh, often just based on aesthetic region reasons throw away a lot of food but if you can make those changes uh, even if you are eating meat uh, uh, even if you can't cut down on it but you can you can help in other ways making sure that your uh, your impact is minimal as possible mm, for sure and speaking of methane i came across one of the facts on oz harvest and they said that food rotting in landfill releases 28 times more methane and that is stronger than carbon dioxide that's something just that just blew my mind yeah that that's the point i was trying to make earlier that um, the landfills because they are covered with waste every day and it basically produces that uh, lack of oxygen mm-hmm. if you can say and which is uh, which is like the first step for methane production and that increases tenfold uh, but yeah there is other re- um, sectors as well in your food that gets on your table which has a lot of methane production mm-hmm. but uh, the end product methane production i think that's the what you are talking about right now okay that is so interesting and another thing that i came across was that one third of all the food that is produced is either lost or wasted and that accounts to around 1.3 billion tons of food which is approximately 940 billion dollars lost each year oh man i i heard this fact or i wouldn't say i heard this fact i read this fact mm-hmm. um a couple of days ago myself um and it's it, it, it's really something you know just uh, imagining all the people that uh, have no access to food mm. there's still starvation starvation is a big part of our world still for sure and on the other hand we have food wastes of this amount so it's it's very um, surprising to me how we ha- we haven't been able to solve um, food uh, shortages across the world and yeah it's it, it's just i i kind of understand why it's not happening mm-hmm. uh, i understand that the economics of it or just the capitalism that uh, or the capitalistic nature of our economies don't allow for that to happen you know for that to be addressed but it's just i mean i i'd like to imagine my utopia to have uh, you know equal access for food uh, for everyone really um that's just how i think about it what do you mm-hmm. think dananja yeah like you're talking about majorly logistics around food uh, which leads to most of the food wastage um, we are producing way more 
because that's how our uh, you can say 18th 19th, 17th century economies were set up mm-hmm. industrial production of food and that's too before the world wars uh, we were introduced to chemical fertilizers and things like that which which uh, we often call it the green revolution all around the world and we were producing way more food than any of us <laughs> need mm-hmm. uh, but it's again where is that food being produced and how it's is it available to people who actually need it and uh, or is it just been produced to support those farmers those uh, people who have invested so much in this industry and you can't just take it away from them in my opinion you have to give them alternatives for sure but fixing the supply chains and fixing all those things is i think responsibilities of people who are producing it at that scale and and supporting them mm. and i think with food waste also comes in packaging there is so much packaging that's used for food as well and they are trying to make quite a few changes i've seen plastic being changed to cardboard as well mm-hmm. in supermarkets but is there something that you would like to share about packaging food packaging i mean um like everything else it's all covered in plastic just because mm-hmm. it's easier of course it's um, certified to be safe uh, to have food items inside it but at the same time um it's plastic yeah. like what what's going to happen to that plastic you either try to recycle it but recycling is also not a great option because food items usually uh, you know um have residues on their packaging for sure which has to be cleaned out before they are even sent out uh, for recycling which a lot of people are not aware of and um, most of those items then get rejected and where do they end up the landfill mm-hmm. so it's it's all um, a matter of putting things out of sight and just uh, you know hoping for the best to happen uh which doesn't occur mm. um, there's no fairy roaming around mm. with a magic wand and making things disappear into thin air it all goes somewhere and it stays there for the rest of time <laughs> for sure yeah so then and jay speaking about food packaging and the landfill um how much of it is diverted to landfill or recycled i think if you're talking about plastic in particular that's used for food packaging mm-hmm. i think more than I, i'm not sure I, i don't have the exact numbers but i'm pretty sure that that's mostly single use plastic that's been used I, or plastic that can't be used more than two times and stuff like that and it virtually like practically speaking it doesn't get recycled we mm-hmm. used to it, talking in terms of australia we used to send that to the asian south asian countries before but they have also last i heard it started rejecting all that mm. um, and it's all being dumped into the landfills as a result and a lot of packaging is basically we don't need and people who are in the controlling uh, positions they should be taking those decisions basically but yeah as a personal level i think uh, if i talk about myself how to limit plastics uh, how making sure that i'm not using it if i don't absolutely have to use it is carrying my own bags 
which is a great initiative carrying your own small bags as well when you are getting veggies from the supermarket mm-hmm. uh not buying anything that has been unnecessarily packed into a plastic uh container um avoiding that buying loose and things like that like you can have your uh, steak every other day mm-hmm. but if you can just limit that i'm not going to buy a steak that has been wrapped in a plastic uh that can also have an impact oh, for sure and there are quite a few changes that are happening in australia as well where we are sort of moving more towards sustainable packaging where we use more of biodegradable and i'm pretty sure this compostable packaging coming up as well what we might do we might just go on a short break and we'll be right back after the station announcement you're listening to radio karen oi 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 iga is shopping nights IGA, where the price is right. Seaford North IGA, for your groceries and liquor. IGA Express, there's nothing quicker. My name is Océane, I come from Martinia and you are listening to Radio Carom. Welcome back to Bite Size Live where we discuss bite-sized content on all things live. As you might be listening, we were talking about food waste just before the announcement. Moving back into food waste, um, I might hand over the mic to Divya and Thank let you. her take the lead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I have a couple of interesting facts, mm-hmm. uh, or not facts, or just observations that I'd like to share. Um, it's so interesting to me that um, even things that you know, or food items that c- come naturally packaged, um, are being packaged by us humans, mm. um, and the thought process behind it has always fascinated me i've always wondered what goes on inside those heads uh, that design that uh, and produce it so what i'm talking about is there are literally uh, uh, packets full of bananas that are being sold hmm. and even uh, you know you have uh, sort of containers to preserve your bananas mm. which is basically just plastic and you don't really need that because that's i mean it could maybe increase the life of that banana to be yeah. exactly ripe for you for a couple of days but at the same time that packaging is going to exist forever like even if you recycle it just the emissions of all of this just makes no sense to me and this is just one example that i know of um and have seen very widely mm. being sold around supermarkets i i think there was one orange oranges peeled off <laughs> and the <laughs> slices uh saved in plastic containers and been sold at Woolies and Coles i've seen that in the past i think that raised a lot of outrage so yeah. then they took it off but that just explains that uh the there's no conscious thinking yeah. behind all this and that's what we need if the businesses start making them the people mm. will follow that's always always been the case and yeah 
But I think we are moving more towards conscious choices now. We are, but I I still wonder um, at what pace. Because mm. the problem in front of us uh, of climate change, it's a very big challenge. I mean, we have experienced uh, a 1.5 degree Celsius, uh, you know, warm warmer year this year. And um, like, I, I mean, it's just a couple more years before we have surpassed that limit and probably even crossed two degrees Celsius. And I have seen graphs that are really scary looking. Um, mm-hmm. Given the current action of governments across the globe, it looks like it might just happen. It might just so happen that the global average temperatures increase by up to, I don't know, four degrees Celsius. In a year or just annually? That is insane. I know, right? And it's going to alter everything. Life as we know it um, is is not going to be the same ever again. So not to sound an alarm, but at the same time, yes, to sound an alarm. Mm-hmm. Um, th- it, it's not uh, It's not nothing. Mm. It, it is something that we have to focus on. And it's just very basic things, like just the way we are consuming things. Uh, from food to we spoke about fashion in the last podcast. Yeah. And just everything in general, you know. Mm. So, yeah, it's it's quite surprising. Yeah. I think for the longest time, we have also blamed it on the rise of population. Mm-hmm. But I guess now it sort of falls back on us to start making more conscious choices, more organic choices, to live a better life and to also save the planet in some ways. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, um, there are so many things one can do. Um, I can name a couple of things uh, Mm -hmm. from personal experience and I'm sure Dhananjay can add on to it. I guess um, growing up, we were always taught to have seasonal fruits or vegetables, Mm. which is something that we don't really see now Mm. uh, because things are available all year round. Um, Things are sort of shipped across the globe just so that they're available in your, your specific country. For sure. So, um, just because of that, there are so many emissions that are being produced. I mean, imagine mangoes being available in a country where mangoes don't grow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, that's one. And then, of course, um, having a you know richer plant-based diet, I guess, um, is one aspect to it. Which, um, I, I, I guess we spoke in the beginning a little bit mm. about it. But yeah, just to highlight it again, um, because um, in case somebody who's listening doesn't know, beef um, or uh, cows, when they are just existing in general, mm. they produce a lot of methane. Yeah. You know, um, and it's, I guess, um, it's about 10% of global annual emissions of greenhouse gases, which is quite shocking. You know, yeah. um, and uh, of course we know that the food that's being produced when it goes to the landfills it produces methane again, so it adds up. Mm. So there's just so many layers to it. Dhananjay, mm. um, if you want to add on any, like uh, I will just add on the last point regarding sustainable food production. Uh, 
which you went into from a micro lens in my mm-hmm. opinion like we are oh, it's understandable it's quite clear and well proven with facts that cattles are a major source of methane production because they have a uh, high um, high veggies diet obviously and that leads to methane production that's how their body works um, so th- if we limit uh, meat production like that that can reduce it but if you look at all food production from a mega ma- major lens or a mega lens uh, or a macro lens sorry uh, you can clearly see that even the vegetarian diets we the grains we are producing the amount of chemicals that we use in the whole life cycle of that grain or even that tomato you we we call that we are uh, being environmentally conscious uh, that also has a lot of uh, long term effects on our mm-hmm. groundwater quality on on other living organisms downstream on how the ecosystem cycle works so i think the conscious uh, choice of the consumer needs to come from all sectors of all sectors of uh people with eating habits like mm. you can't just blame the meat eaters that they are the major cause of the problem it's the same for rest of us um, and that's where uh, we as as a group people as a group can ask our government ask our authorities to make those changes um, and compensate the farmers it's not it's uh, it's unfair to just subject one group of people responsible for all this uh, and we know that we are all in this together as a polluter and as as a consumers as well yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just to add on to that. I I 100% agree with with what he said. I'm not trying to chastise any uh, any mm-hmm. particular group. It's just something that I thought was worth mentioning that yes, there uh, seems to be a higher uh, footprint carbon footprint uh, attached to a meat heavy diet yeah, as opposed to um you know a plant heavy diet i guess for sure but the the system the production of or of our food is just so broken at so many levels yeah um the amount of fertilizers that are used uh, we render our lands useless um mm. they, they become unfertile, unfertile and cannot grow anything on those pieces of lands and that's happening across the globe um another interesting fact to add on here uh the amazon rainforest um a, a leading cause of deforestation there is just to you know cattle production yes yeah. just to rear yeah. cattle so can you imagine i mean one of the most beautiful places on earth although and i haven't the been the lungs there. of the earth as well yeah, so yeah. I, I, not that i've been to the amazon <laughs> but i'm just from documentaries i've seen it just seems like a very um magnificent place mm. and something that we need to be preserving but what are we doing just because we want to have um i mean i'm saying we you know um so if we are just going on um rearing cattle there so for sure that's something to think about mm. and oftentimes what happens is we focus a lot on cattle production and beef to say but also we need to look into sustainable fishing which is so important given the consumption the overconsumption of tuna and certain types of fishes which 
sort of leads to a depletion in the ocean and messes up the aquatic ecosystem. For sure. Dhananjay, if you want to start off uh, <laughs> with your assessment of this question. And he's got like really good facts and yeah. to share. <laughs> Yeah, like so any any food production, it needs to be sustainable. That's what we need to uh, concentrate our efforts mm. on. Even if it's a grain of rice, or is it a is it a steak, or is it fish? So, yeah. Uh, like if I talk about, I, I'm not. Uh, I don't want to go too deep into fish production and how it can be sustainable, but but there are uh, like we have been talking about negatives for so long. Um, <laughs> I'm, like if I want to talk about positives, there are, uh, I'm not sure of the name again of what type of uh, agriculture practice that is called. But mm-hmm. if you will look it up, there is a circular or a symbiotic uh, farms growing up all oh. around the world now. Where if you can imagine a farm, uh, a square farm, uh, you, you, you dug a trench on the peri- perimeter of that farm and you fill it fill it up with water and you grow your fish there mm-hmm. um, fish produces the fish excrement is highly highly good for uh, as a as a fertilizer okay. um, so the farmers and it's it's been done in practice it's not something that's been thought of in a lab it has been put into practice and the results have been good so basically any waste or uh, what you call insects and stuff from the crops they act as a they act as food for the fishes mm. um, and fish excrement adds as fertilizers for the food and it's very effective in rice growing also oh, really? like you flood the i don't know if you guys know but um, the way you grow rice is you flood your field mm-hmm. with water and if you put fish into it if you can make it sustainable somehow uh, they keep uh, feeding each other and uh, you don't end up impacting the environment mm. but but again this is uh, I'm not sure it will solve the fish consumption of the whole world uh, that still relies on the point that we bought earlier about sustainable fish farming like how much we are taking out from the ocean and how much uh, how much time we are giving those uh, fish environments to grow back mm. um, so yeah that's again uh, coming back to the government this needs to this is something that can be looked deep into and it's been looked deep into because fishing is also an important uh, source of income for a bunch of people and they can't uh, that can't survive if they don't fish and uh, but we, they can't fish anything if there's mm. no more fishes left so that's that's something to think about oh man yes uh, couldn't agree more overfishing uh, and just so many um ecological problems um that we are causing mm. um we are disturbing how marine life works in general i mm. mean just look at the status of how coral uh, of corals across yeah. the globe we are killing them and of course climate change is causing that to an extent but also just how we are processing things you know mm. um just how much we are exploiting things if you look at uh, you know there are container ships that go out for fishing i've seen a, a lot of a very um, jarring images and mm-hmm. videos of the same where they sort of sweep in whatever they can sweep in so mm-hmm. even 
um, fishes or mammals that aren't really fit for consumption are sort of caught in the crossfire mm-hmm. and they're just thrown overboard even though um, because their meat is of no use mm-hmm. um, to the fishermen and um, yeah they're killed so it's it's quite something um, everything has to be really worked out on how we can be very sustainable with it and a lot of thought has to be put into policies that For sure. that regulate those industries so yeah mm. that's it i'm hearing a lot of policies and procedures that need to go into the industries when it comes to sustainable food um on a personal level what are some of the sustainable food choices that we can make to sort of contribute to conscious living mm. oh man um i guess i can start off uh with this so just um i guess being mindful of the kind of food purchase that you make in the first mm-hmm. place um try try for it to be more plant heavy mm-hmm. um plant based that uh, try to explore that mm. so you don't have to start off with going vegan on days day one right you can start with uh trying to reduce the amount of meat that you consume if you are a meat eater mm-hmm. that is so if you um sort of eat meat almost every day of the week you can try uh to reduce the number of times you eat meat uh if you eat two meals that are meat based then mm. you try to reduce that to one or whatever so you try and do that and you slowly try and change your habits mm. right so it starts from there um or at least that's what i did uh, when i tried to wean myself off of chicken of mm-hmm. off of my love for chicken <laughs> so that's one thing and um also just being conscious of how you purchase your food you can go for options that are um you know that are available in bulk there are so many zero waste uh, food um, store mm-hmm. stores available you know where you just sort of take your own jars or your own containers you can fill that up with your with oil or whatever it is that you require in your uh, household you take your own jars and you fill them up and you get charged for that of course it's kind of more expensive and a little heavier on the pocket but with scale uh, it should get better mm. so um that's just a couple of things that come to mind i think dhananjay can add on it uh, i think um, i'm not sure if i can add more on that but if i talk from personal experiences which the things i am seeing around and i'm liking as well uh goals and things like woolies have started doing these for i think for capsicums and avocados not perfect uh bunches which mm. you can buy they taste the same uh, guacamole from a <laughs> not perfect avocado bunch or from that pristine looking uh, oval shaped avocado we see <laughs> it's going to taste the same uh th- that's the fact and so it's just training i think from personal level it's just uh just realizing that uh that th- 
things um, just training mentally training yourself that this doesn't matter like things like shape of food and things like those doesn't matter and we can still avoid that uh, particular avocado or particular capsicum going to the going to the landfill as we talked earlier um, yeah. by just choosing it over the other stuff that we are getting and and it's not that hard and uh, luckily the economics also helps you there you save money uh, so and given in today's inflated environment it can be a good choice oh, for sure and in uh, if i want to add on the food choices you are making you can always look into substituting your protein needs uh, with with non uh, with vegetarian options like soy tofu i know it's not tasting the same for people but uh, even if you substitute one out of your five meals <laughs> protein requirements basically with a uh, tofu or a soya alternative plant based meat uh, that's still helping you are you're 20% more helpful to the environment than you were before so mm. we need to think we can think uh, on those points yeah and um, devya would you like to add something more to that yeah, yeah, yeah. um i was just raising my finger ashdadi <laughs> for people who are listening in because i had to mention this we haven't spoken about mock meats no oh but that's God. something i was about to get on to yeah, yeah uh so it it crossed my mind because mock meats taste very similar i mean mm. having eaten chicken and sort of uh, had mock meat versions of chicken um they taste very similar they surprisingly do. similar yeah. there there have been times where i have questioned myself and uh, the restaurant that's serving it mm. on whether it's actually <laughs> mock meat mm. uh, but but i'm pretty sure uh that uh, yeah they're being ethical in um you know sort of labeling it that ways so yeah just had to sort mm. of mention that mention that um speaking about mock meat so i was going to say that i was watching a documentary and i wish i could remember the name of the documentary but it was about veganism and sustainable food choices where people were consuming are consuming the same amount of red meat and on top of that they were consuming mock meat so they weren't really making they were thinking they were making sustainable food choices but they weren't really making sustainable food choices Ooh. yeah so that, that's interesting it is well um yeah i w- i would have to look at the data on that i guess um but just from i guess um uh, a basic overview uh, of things uh, it does seem like mock meats would produce lesser emissions but mm. again i uh, i i may be wrong that's another thing that i keep thinking about that the production of mock meat and how different would it be compared to production of um, meat in general and if there are any changes and maybe we don't know how it's going to impact in the future and it's only after let's say 10 years that we get to know its impact yeah like uh definitely anything getting produced is polluting some way or the other the environment but you have to look at it in comparison um mm-hmm. a meat from a cow like from the, right from the insemination of cows to eventually when it reaches your plate the amount of processes it goes through is way more than 
what a soy product will go through. Mm. You will pollute the environment while growing soy, but it will be way less and the steps in the cycle uh, in which it consumes the energy and all, all the stuff will be way less than our meat uh, does. But yeah, in long term, it has not been studied. Um, it has not been studied in terms of impacts on our body. Mm. But given that it's coming from a vegetarian source, um, you can be as a scientist or from the data from the previous vegetarian foods, you can be sure that it's most likely not going to have a negative impact. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I wanted to add something there. Um, I guess being somebody who is really fond of pets, mm-hmm. uh, like dogs, cats, and just pets in general, I expanded that to you know evaluating why i'm i I don't really care about other animals Mm -hmm. or other birds um and i started to think about it it's just something that has to be focused on Mm -hmm. something i guess an innate sense of responsibility towards different animals um that surround us and just having no connection to uh, I guess cows or you know chicken it just seems like yeah it's it's whatever mm-hmm. but animal cruelty is a thing it just, sure is uh, Thananjay mentioned how cows or how buffaloes are sort of inseminated and also just how chicken are unfortunately raised mm. um, a fact comes to mind where did you know by the way where um, you know chicks that are born if they are or uh, if they're male chicks yeah. they they get uh thrown into a crusher yeah a couple of that one yeah. yeah a couple of days because uh, after they are born just because um they're not gonna get in any money yeah they're not gonna print any money for you yeah. so how how cruel is that i mean mm. um i i get it that people might be i guess uh, unaware of those facts and it may not affect them as much but to, it's something that bothers me so yeah for sure yeah something to think about well I have my chickens <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry but it's it, I, I don't make the rules but that was such an insightful episode um, thank you so much for joining us Dan and Jay just spitting in the facts and information was really delicious <laughs> if i say so and as always thank you so much for joining us sustainability struggles as you go by on instagram and facebook and youtube mm-hmm. um we might end the episode just there and we'll be back with another episode on conscious living next week hopefully (laughs) thank you so much for listening to the show today just a reminder the podcast from the show will be available in a day or so if you haven't already make sure you like radio karim on facebook or instagram it's probably the best way to keep an eye on your favorite shows and when they are broadcasting check out our website radiocarim.org for more information about other shows on the station Enjoy the rest of your day. I'll see you next time on Bite Size Live with Conscious Living and Sustainability Struggle. Mm-hmm.